You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. The Ride with Roycey. I don't want to go much further, but... Right. Oh, sorry. <laughs> On 1500 ESPN. Dan Levine is the Twins general manager. He has uh, joined us here. Uh, the clock for spring training, Thad, is a little uh, more accelerated this year than in the past. Uh, exhibition game as early as February 22nd. Everything's earlier, and now you've been throwing the uh, curveball here with Irv Santana. That uh, probably makes things a little more hectic. It, it does. It does. We, you know, we were already focusing on trying to add to our pitching depth uh, before we got this news. It only accentuates it further. I, I think the silver lining here is that our medical team feels relatively confident that he's probably going to miss somewhere between four and six starts, which certainly is not great news. But it, but in in the light of an injury and in light of surgery this late in the off season. Uh, we feel like it's a storm that we can weather, and it's, it'll represent an opportunity for somebody else to step up and hopefully uh, make the most of that opportunity. Now, what is the word on it? He felt a little bit at the end of the season, but everyone just assumed that uh, by not throwing that uh, it, it should be okay? I think that's exactly right. You know, it was, it was something that was bothering him towards the end of the season, a little discomfort, a little localized swelling, uh, but they were hopeful that this would be something that would would respond very well to rest. Uh, it did. Uh, he came to came to Twins Fest a couple of weeks ago, went through a full physical, and I think reported feeling okay, uh, started his throwing program, and even did well for the first phase of that. It was when he started throwing breaking balls and specifically a slider mm-hmm. where he started feeling a bit of a re-aggravation of it. At that point, uh, we sent him to an additional battery of tests with some doctors who felt at that time that to, for him to have long-term relief he was going to need to have some scar tissue removed from that joint. And so that's exactly what we did. Luckily, you've graduated from a fine college in the East, as have many people in uh, your employee there in the front office. So you can tell me what an embridement is. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, no, I, I couldn't agree with you more. The, the first conversation we had with the doctors, we then had to ask them afterwards, is this good news or bad news? But it, in practice, I think for, for those of us who didn't go to medical school, he had a little bit of a scar tissue buildup on the middle knuckle of his middle finger on his right hand uh, that that uh, was causing some real discomfort for him and, and preventing him from getting full extension in that knuckle. And so by removing it, he now has full range of motion. And, you know, we're, we're looking at somewhere between that 8- to 12-week range for him to be full go back on a mound and pitching for us. Yeah, you're wondering, uh, we were all wondering now if uh, that could have been part of the reason he wasn't throwing strikes in Yankee Stadium uh, uh, back in October. Uh, that slide ball is very important to him. Well, and, and you know, I think it speaks to uh, how valiant an effort he had last year. And any time you have a pitcher who throws over 200 innings, they're going to yeah. be pitching through some injuries at some point. And I think you look back to a September where he was quite effective. And, you know, adrenaline does, a, does an amazing thing to you, especially in that type of stage. So I don't know what type of pain he was in. I do think he was in some discomfort, but I think as a you know as a warrior as he is, he just was 
really inclined to try to fight through it, and, and now he's realizing he probably needs to have that taken care of before he toes the rubber for another 200 this season. Hey, uh, when is Gibson's arbitration scheduled? So uh, that that is upcoming. Mm-hmm. Not sure we're technically allowed to, for whatever oh, reason, oh, reveal exactly. Not even date, give the day, huh? Well, I didn't I realize. Don't, I don't know about that. So I'm going to just tell <laughs> you, it's it's it's, it's upcoming and uh, something that you know we're, we're looking forward to having in the rearview mirror and allowing him to get get into camp and really focus on the season and build off of his really strong second half. Uh, you have a couple of mysteries here. Uh, Phil Hughes, uh, you'll have to wait to see what you can see in spring training, I guess, and also uh, how far along Trevor May is going to be. Uh, yeah, I think I think we know a little bit more on Trevor than we do Phil at this juncture. Tre- Trevor's likely tracking for sometime mid-May, and that's because we do intend to stretch him out and give him every opportunity to rejoin us as a starter. In Phil's case, I think we're, we're optimistic that he's coming into camp full go uh, I think he, like the rest of us, are all eager to see what it looks like when he gets on the mound and he faces live hitters. All I can go on right now is what he's telling us, which is that he feels uh, a sense of freedom in his delivery right now that he hadn't felt in approximately the last two years. So I, that that is very encouraging for us. Hey, Thad, uh, it was routine uh, three, four years ago. Uh, Tommy John, post-Tommy John surgery, uh, the rapidity with which they come back and the whole rehab thing has changed. It used to be these guys always came back with a real uh, a serious innings limit uh, the, for the first full year back. Do you have any idea where you're going to be with Trevor? Uh, it's a great question. I, I, I do think there's some degree of sense he won't be back in, in game ready until mid-May. Okay. That, that very well may somewhat take care of itself. Okay. Uh, it is something that we will monitor. I think there's, there's you know, nowadays we're coming back approximately 14 months rather than what used to be the 11 to 12 month mark. And I think that gives guys a little bit better chance to regain strength and flexibility and mobility before they come back. So they may be a little less encumbered, but in his case, uh, the injury was at a bad time, but it actually may play well for the next year coming back because missing the first six or eight weeks of the season may just truncate his season to the point where we don't have to limit him too much on the backside. I uh, saw him down there uh, when I was down in Florida earlier. He, he looks great, but uh, you know, and he's—I—he's I, I, been—I'm a full he's believer that he's. Hard. A, I'm a full believer that he's. A, not that it makes any difference, but I'm a full believer that he is a starter, and you guys seem to feel the same way. Well, we, we do, and I think in his case and in Tyler Duffy's case, we're going to give Tyler another opportunity, as we did last spring training, to, to come into camp and stretch out as a starter also. I just think we're going to exhaust every opportunity for these guys who have the ability to start to do just that. It's easy to stretch them out as a starter and put them back in the pen. Once you kind of shorten them up as a, as a reliever, it's really tough to stretch them back out in season. So we're going to give ourselves as many options as we possibly can on the starting side. It probably wouldn't do a general manager's pocketbook any good to leap into the fray currently taking place between the uh, Players Association and management over the slow pace of free agency. But uh, you guys are uh, still uh, interested, obviously. Well, we are. And, and, I mean, I guess fundamentally – I actually am not a man who owns a pocketbook, so I wouldn't <laughs> yeah. be as concerned about that. <laughs> yes, but, right. You know, it's it's something, Royce, that I think so many people have talked about this offseason. Nobody, I think, has the exact answer as to why the market has been so slow. I, I can tell you from the club's perspective, we, you know, we feel as if we're going to be reporting here in a handful of days, and we've got spots to fill, and, and we've got needs. So we're still, you know, Derek, myself, Rob Anthony, we're, we're all actively talking to 
other clubs about trade opportunities and to free agents about, agents about their free agents. So we're actively working the wire, and our hope and goal is to go into camp with at least another name or two, and then we're going to stay active because as long as there are free agents out there and we believe we have a chance to to help the 2018 and beyond Minnesota Twins, we're, we're going to stay active in this market. Hey, Thad, uh, you know, analytics, I think, are kind of uh, thought to be based, uh, you know, all performance-based and, and things like, I mean, as far as helping a guy in his at-bats, helping, you know, helping to make your roster. But a lot of the analytics are career driven things that uh and and as baseball becomes stronger and analytics uh there's a lot of information on players at certain ages i would think yeah there are and you know their track records of their performances uh you know i think as an industry we probably got uh, you know thrown a pardon the pun but a curve for a little period of time when performance enhancing drugs may have been a little bit more prevalent and that skewed that skewed some of the aging curves but you know Prior to that time and after that time, I mean, the, the, those aging curves have been real. Now, clearly, guys who perform at a very elite level tend to age a little bit more gracefully than some other guys. So there's some sensitivity associated with that. And, and I also think one aspect about the aging side that I do think teams analytics notwithstanding have really valued a lot is this kind of concept of leadership and chemistry. And you find that a lot of times in some of those veterans. So, you know, even if you look at the world champion Houston Astros last year, you know, the additions of guys like Carlos Beltran probably helped as much in the clubhouse as it did on the field. And guys like Brian McCann, I think those things were very meaningful to them. And those were investments in guys who may have been you know, technically past their prime but still contributing at a very high level on the field and in the clubhouse. Uh, Thad, uh, there were uh, rumors that the uh, you might know something about Miguel Sano before the uh, at least the uh, players had to report, but at this uh, point it's uh, still up in the air and the club's not really in on uh, what's going on, right? And that's exactly right. I think, you know, in this, this instance, Major League Baseball, the Players Union are, are performing an, an investigation uh, we're kept in the loop when there's substantive things to share, and, and thus far that's that, that's been done behind closed doors. And so I would tell you, uh, I think we're just looking forward with regards to getting Miguel healthy and ready to go. Uh, the other stuff will be handled uh, at a different level, and we'll obviously comply with it once we hear uh, word down from Major League Baseball and answer any questions along the way that we can. But our focus at this juncture is making sure he's healthy and uh, has a chance to, to, to really get out there and play 150-plus games this year. Uh, when are you gentlemen arriving in the uh, winter home of the Minnesota Twins? Uh, our Derek Falvey is already down there. Oh, really? His family uh, arrived yesterday. <laughs> I'm going to head down on the 11th. Uh, my youngest daughter has a birthday this weekend, so I'm okay. going to stick around for that. All right. Well, that's a very fatherly thing. All right. We will see you down there, sir. Thanks for your time, Thad. Thanks, Royce. I'll talk to you soon. All right. That will be the uh, Twins uh, general manager. He was on also. You can hear an interview, uh, if you want to, uh, with uh, Phil and Judd today. He was on with them, too. So, All right. We shall return. And now, Joe and Pat present Sports Talk's Person of the Day. McDaniels returning to New England wasn't predicated on Bill retiring or taking over for Bill. There was no discussions that, from my knowledge, that, hey, you come back and you're going to take over for Bill. He turned down opportunities last year 
didn't really feel comfortable with certain situations, so he decided to back out of other situations and come back to New England. So this, it's really not the first time this has happened. There will continue to be opportunities for Josh going forward. Today's sports person of the day, Josh McDaniels. Nice. <laughs> he has dominated the sports conversation for, what, 36 hours, Just right? about, 36 yeah, pretty much, hours. yeah. Uh, Joshua Thomas McDaniels is the son of a legendary Ohio high school football coach. Did you know that? I did not, I did not Tom know that. McDaniels. Yes, uh, he was recruited out of Canton McKinley High School to John Carroll University Division Three school out there, and the, the one of the schools that gets to have the crap beat out of it by Mount Union. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Uh, and he started his career as a coach, as a senior graduate assistant at Michigan State for Nick John Saban. Smith. Nick Saban. Nick oh, Nick Saban. Saban. Yeah. Okay. Uh, parlaying his dad's friendship with Saban into that job. Mm. He joined the Patriots in 2001, probably parlaying his friendship with Saban into a job with Belichick. Absolutely. Right? Yeah, and that sense. was Belichick's first year as a personnel. That was his first year there, right? No, oh, 2000. His first year was 2000. Yeah. Personnel assistant. By 2005, when Charlie Weiss left uh, to be a complete failure at Notre Dame, <laughs> uh, by 2005, he was already... They didn't name an offensive coordinator for that year, but the rumors are he was calling plays that year. So he's 29 years old. He was calling plays for the Patriots. Was 33 when he got hired to be the head coach of the Broncos. Uh, He was a little too big for his britches, right? A little immature. Too big for his britches. He made a terrible mistake by drafting. Because he was the one who drafted Tebow, wasn't he? Yes, he was. And you know why he did that? Based upon the advice of Bill Belichick. Because he traded up to draft Tim Tebow. Yeah, it did not work out. No, it did not. He uh, ended up getting fired uh, in the two after the two after when they were three and nine. Uh, he didn't make it through his second season. Nope. And uh, you know that first year too that he was in Denver, they started out six and zero oh, because they beat New England in one of those first couple of weeks that he took the job and I. They ended up not making the playoffs that year. I think they finished 8-8 eight eight or yeah. something like that. Yeah. Yeah. He did not immediately return to the Patriots. He went to the, the St. Rams, Louis Rams. Yeah. Who the hell was coaching the Rams in 2011? Would that have been Spagnola? Yeah, I think that might have been Spags, yeah. Spagnola. And he got fired there then? Uh, did Spagnola get fired I think fired Spagnola got fired, and then during the postseason, mm. Belichick brought him on as an offensive consultant brought of some back, type. And uh, so... He uh, seems to be a little more mature, we thought, until yeah. uh, until uh, the last couple of days when he came back this year. He is now, let's see, April 22, 1976. He's uh, 41, going to be 42. Had his second chance uh, to go to the Colts and take over, but he is staying home. I love the and fact, no, by the way, that the yeah. agent got rid of him. Yeah, the agent got rid of him. <laughs> well, the agent had to do it, basically, oh, yeah. because this the, the Indianapolis Colts uh, GM has gone nuts. And he was also, same agent, Greg Ballard, the, uh, the GM. Oh, they're Chris both, Ballard. They're both. Uh, the, the Chris Col- Ballard. Chris yeah, Ballard, excuse yeah. Excuse me. Greg Ballard was a very good basketball player, right? Mm-hmm. But I don't think he's a GM. Chris Ballard. Uh, he, you know, Lamar was handling him, too. So that it probably for uh, 
uh, purposes, it was good. Yeah, but, there's uh, no way somebody's going to give him a chance, is there, after he pulled this oh, stuff? Oh, yeah. You think somebody, so? Somebody will give him a shot. Yeah. He, yeah. Well, I'll tell you who's going to give him the chance. Chance He'll be the coach of the Patriots next year. Yeah. It's no matter the, what Willie McGinnis no said in that sound by coming in. Yeah. They told him, hey, you're next. Bills are going to coach one more year. And, yeah. and, and you know, the only reason Pilichek's coming back, don't you? Because everybody was suggesting he might not. Mm-hmm. You know, the great contrarian. He's not going to He's not gonna do. It's like Mike Brown in Cincinnati. The only reason <laughs> he's going to do the opposite of what Marvin everybody Lewis thinks he should do. Because everybody says you can't bring Marvin Lewis back. <laughs> yeah. So he's, an, he's a younger, uh, Belichick's a younger version of Mike Brown. And you watch this too. The Patriots will draft a quarterback in like the third or fourth round of the draft. Yes, this they year. will. Another Jimmy Garoppolo. A, that, yeah. is, that is what the Robert Kraft... Bill Belichick peace meeting was about mm-hmm. with Belichick saying we have to get this franchise our next quarterback. Although, if Belichick's leaving, maybe he's in the hell with him. Let him die yeah. on the vine with the forty-one-year-old guys. So, or you know. know what? We'll go out and get Teddy. I believe in Teddy. <laughs> well, go you certainly can't. I uh, certainly can't criticize the uh, the performance of offensive coordinator Josh McDaniels this season. Or in the Super Bowl. Right. Uh, that one Brady throws for 505. But we will never, we will never ever know where that that performance came from a Belichick defense. He might not have had the players to use his usual adjustments, although he kept one standing next to him, Malcolm Butler. And so. that they've been running kind of a different scheme defensively the last few years to where to Differently from when it was when, you know, like Romeo Cornell was the coordinator and stuff. Completely different scheme. I think you really saw that team miss Dante Hightower, especially in the Super Bowl. Because, I mean, he was the reason that they they turned it around against the Falcons. They didn't have a killer. They they don't have a killer on defense. No. They don't have one guy that's, you know. They have anybody who would start for the Vikings? One of the some guy in the defense. Gilmore. Gilmore's a good Gilmore cornerback. Maybe maybe Chung. Maybe. You'd probably start Chung, Chung over yeah. Got about two or something. guys who'd start for the Vikings. Anyway, Josh McDaniels, we got to send him that certificate. Yes, it's in the mail, Josh. <laughs> at least the email. Do we send it to Indy or do we send it to New England? Does, <laughs> yeah. Did he get a mailbox yeah. in Indy? Or we could send it a letter and have Indianapolis Colts scratched Scr- There out we go. <laughs> We're always finding an angle. That's right. We'll be back. Jess Myers, a long-awaited hockey half hour. He was boycotting us, but we have worked out a deal, <laughs> and he's back. Give us 30 minutes, and we'll give you everything Cubs. What is uh, slashing? Slashing is like that. Jess Myers now joins the Ride with Royce for this edition of the Hockey Half Hour. I got news for all those panic-stricken NHL fans and wild fans. I think they're good. I think they're fine. You think they're good? I think they're pretty good. Well, they got two goalies. Yeah, they got two goalies. I think they're pretty good. They, uh, you know, they've had some hurts, and you know, but they score goals now. Uh, they they didn't do it for a lot. They score more goals now. The last fifty nine minutes of yesterday's game were important. Yes, <laughs> you know, because you're on the road. You can't play on the road. Everybody's saying. Oh, they've been and giving up forty five seconds in. You're yeah. down one nothing, and it's like, oh boy, here we yeah, go you're again. You're saying it might be six one. And, yeah. and it was six two, but it was or was it six one? Six uh, six three. No, I mean, no, no six no. two, six, six two, because they disallowed okay. a St. Louis goal late, okay. but. 
You know, and and Boudreaux is great when he t- just tells it like it is. He says, I was glad to see him get ticked off instead yeah. of just saying, here we go again. He says, you know, the, stuff like that ought to tick you off a little bit. And, you know, here the, here they go. And, you know, M- Mike Yo looking bewildered like he often did when his team was playing bad. Well, Yo, uh, they had a they, good thing for them. They got off to that great start because yep. they haven't been worth a damn. Now they were missing Jaden Schwartz for... Six weeks, and that's something. a big loss. I mean, he's he's a, like he's, he's a good so, player, but you know, it's a lot of the same players. And Jake Allen, who looked so unbelievable in the playoffs last yeah. year, has been very human. Who was that him year. last night or that, he was he was been, a starter, and then they yanked him. They've been really uh, kind of uh, alternating those two guys, yep. him and that Carter Hunt. So, so the bad news is uh, coming out of this Ooh. one, Brodeen. Uh, hand injury, he's going to have some surgery, three to four weeks. Uh, bad news on a couple of levels because he's a good defenseman, obviously, a very, you know, guy who never panics with the puck. He doesn't give you an offensive upside, but, you know, just a good, steady defensive defenseman. The other bad news about it is there was a lot of talk that they were thinking of trading a guy like Mike Riley and getting something for him or getting some, mm-hmm. you know, whatever at the trade deadline here. And now that pretty much eliminates that because they're going to be pretty thin on defense. Well, they called up Riley and they called up uh, Gustav Olofsson uh, to take so the So they would have to play. They'd have to say, okay, Prosser and Olofsson are our other defensemen and we can still trade Riley. Yeah, is they there would any have to... market for Riley? I don't... Is it, isn't there anybody down at... Uh... Isn't there a seventh defenseman down in Des Moines? Boy, if we if Do they stink again, Des Moines, no, or are they Des a little better? Okay. They're, they're okay. They're a little better. They're, they're, not, were... they're not the worst team in the AHL like they were a couple okay. of years there oh, when they were, they were Klein endorsed and you know, all, all that other collection of guys was coaching them. So, mm-hmm. yeah, no, they're, they're not a bad club. But uh, So the Brodeen thing is a, is a is a blow for them. But, you know, Chuck Fletcher, I read him today again. He's t- saying people he likes what he has. He's not afraid to make moves, even after last year, the Martin Hansel disaster, which got you nothing and cost mm-hmm. you a, a first and a second round draft pick. He said he's not going to sit quietly if there's something out there. But Did Fletcher, they give up a first and a second? They gave up a first and a second to get Hansel. First, first, Where is he even in the league? He's playing, I think, in Dallas, not okay. not you know not doing mm-hmm. much. It was a nice yeah. little retirement gig for him, but uh, mm-hmm. yeah, um, you know, and and that was that hurts you because you lost a, a first rounder last summer. I think you lose a second rounder this summer. So uh, Chuck hates giving up guys like that, but he pointed out too, and this is a good stat: four regulation losses since New Year's. So uh, you know, they're you're, you may be right; they might not be bad. They're good. They're okay. They'll be in the playoffs. They'll be fine. And you know, they got a five game homestand here. They've been playing great at home. Five game homestand, and they then get eight, uh, eight points in a homestand. There'll be about two games out of the lead in the uh, <laughs> in the division. That's the way the Central Division goes right now. I mean, mm-hmm. it's so top to bottom crazy. Fifty three percent chance of making the playoffs as of last night. They jumped up thirteen. Percent with just and getting you know, a roadway. You know when else you have a fifty-three percent chance of making the playoffs? Where's that? When they drop the puck on opening night. <laughs> on opening night, I, yeah. Uh, yeah, that I think it's fifty-three percent. You know, I think back to like '86 though. That was a, a North Stars team that had kind of hung around and they just missed the playoffs last year. And everybody mm-hmm. thought that that year. And keep in mind, in '86 it was not easy to miss the playoffs in the NHL because oh, you no. had twenty-one teams and sixteen of them made the playoffs. But everybody thought, you know, maybe this is what they need. Maybe they'll be. It'll be cathartic for them to kind of wake them up and, and get them going. And next thing you know, man, they, I don't think I they think made the playoffs again for five years. I think it's 53% chance for the league, but I just figured it out because the Western Conference. Oh, wait, now the Western Conference got 15 teams 15 now. teams in the West now. Okay, so because I Because Vegas math. came on board. And Vegas, for all their winning, cannot win in Minnesota for whatever reason. So uh, Yeah, 53.5% chance when the season starts. So Wow. You know, so they're right where they should be. Right? Yeah. When, the, when I, it all starts. I, I guess so. they're right. So nothing's changed. They, they would need a slump not to be. But what's amazing is the Blackhawks aren't going to make the playoffs. Right. Unless something happens. I mean, they're, they're no, not they're... only last. They're pretty well buried last. Yeah. 
Yeah, there you go. You know, and maybe that's a a, a correction that needed to happen, or you know, maybe Corey well, Crawford had just played over his is, head for too many years. They went and got Sod back, and they went and got Patrick Sharp back, trying to bring, and they got. They got a dead body when they got Patrick Sharp. He's done. <laughs> they said we're putting the band back together, yeah. and it didn't quite turn yeah, the out the way they thought back it together. Patrick Sharp's played too many games. He's cooked. I watched a little of their last time they played our guys. He doesn't move much anymore. Well, the good, the other good thing to come out of the wild game last night, Felino gets a goal, and and uh, Koivu gets a goal. Some of these guys that have been just buried mm-hmm. as far as offense are finally starting to show a little life. And you know that was the other great uh, Boudreaux line. He says when you start getting some scoring out of that fourth line, the Felinos, who you know he was not too fond of the way he was playing, uh, he says you know it's pretty easy to check one line. It's not real easy to check. Is our guy Coonan in uh, in the Olympic team? He no. is. Not, he's not no, on the no, he's not on the Olympic. Oh, teams. our Greenways, the Greenways the going to the Olympics. From, uh, BU's and uh, Ryan Stoa, you know who we know pretty well, yeah. and uh, that adds an interesting wrinkle to this weekend's Gopher series in Wisconsin because, of course, Tony Granado will be off uh, mm-hmm. in in uh, in South Korea. So, and I'm hearing from the Olympic Village, by the way, that the food is much better in the media center than it was in in uh, Sochi. So, okay, that, that's the good news. In fact, uh, Chip even admitted he tried kimchi so far. So uh, it's a big step forward it for. It's supposed to take. Tastes good, but it doesn't smell good. Does doesn't it? smell doesn't good. But a, it's kind it of a bit odiferous. It's kind of a uh, coleslaw kind of thing. Yeah, a little spicier coleslaw. Here's the deal: if you've been in Southern California, yeah, there's a Korean barbecue every oh. every block. If they're serving Korean barbecue, nobody's going to have any complaints. Now, is Korean barbecue a Korean thing though, or is it an American thing that they just decided to call something? I have no idea. I've I've been in a few of them, and I've never questioned the authenticity, so I, I, I don't know. But you got Korean barbecue. What the hell do you have to complain about? So here's what I'm wondering. Is anybody going to watch the Olympics? I mean, you know, you don't have the NHL guys. It's going to be the middle yeah, of the they night. Don't, they don't watch the Olympics for hockey anyway. That's it's, why they don't ever display the, display it prominently. Yeah. But, you are know, the, are, we'll, are the watch, we'll watch Lindsey Vaughn, and we'll watch the figure skaters. And Jessie Duggan, don't forget about her for the, That's right. uh, the, the yeah, cross country skier it. from Afton. She's uh, she, boy, she, I feel good for uh, the people uh, covering the Olympics. Chip and Rachel are over there for our paper. I feel good because when I covered the Olympics, we were horrendous in cross country skiing. Yep, the biathlon and the cross country skiing events. But we always had to go cover the locals. We always had locals. <laughs> and you'd have to go to the up to the top of the hill. To see some guy finish 43rd. And then you have to 43rd. sit there four days. <laughs> Here come the Finlanders, the Swedes, the Norwegians, the communists. Everybody would come in and pretty soon, good old USA. There's some guy from Marine About, on St. Croix trudging in. I remember in. Lily Holler. We got a guy, he's like 48th, and I'm interviewing him. And they always tell you they had their personal best. <laughs> and I've always said, we traveled thousands of miles to cover an event that we wouldn't cover if it was in the parking lot of the Star Tribune, but we have to go up to see what some guy has to say about finishing 48th. Uh, well, but, you got to cover Tanya and Nancy, though. So, oh, I mean, yeah, it was great. It was and, great. and by the way, Nancy Kerrigan was at media night for the uh, Super Bowl last week. Oh, really? Yeah, she's doing some piece for you know one of the cable stations out in the I Boston area. I guess she's area. not terribly uh, pleased with I, Tanya, the uh, movie. No, not... It paints a little better picture of Tanya than he think, she thinks it should. And apparently a few friends of mine asked her if she could be interviewed, and she said, I'm here working. Well, and, plus and... they got some hot babe playing her, right? Who's playing Tanya? 
Margot Robbie is playing Tanya. Mar- oh, it Robbie. was Margot Robbie. I mean, that's yeah. like wow. Oh, yeah. That's like casting uh, who Ryan Gosling to play me. Yeah, that you is know? true. I mean, Tanya was at her best. She was homelier than a mud fence. <laughs> wow, Wait I could see uh, Ryan Gosling playing you. Rouge oh, at right. best. She had rouge and a mud fence. That's at what she had. Best, she was homelier than a mud fence. <laughs> well, wow. that's what, that used to be a yeah. Full of, oh, I, I I follow your logic. I probably but... heard that from my mom a few times <laughs> about Tanya. <laughs> no, about... mud fence ugly. That's yeah, actually a traffic term. Ugly, yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, it is now. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, that was fun covering them, that's for sure. Yeah, that was a big hockey disappointment. My favorite, though, was 1988 when Debbie Thomas came out and they had the... Oh, yeah. 88, they had the gold medal uh, set up for because that was back when they could only only give one... If if you had a 6-0, a 5-9, a 5-8, you could only put one in that slot. You know, like you couldn't have two 5-8s. You had to mark them above or below each other. And they had it all cleared out. They left the room above Katarina for Debbie. So Debbie was going to win the gold medal if she skated. And she fell down more than a drunken sailor. She was skating on her face, basically. And I savaged (laughs) her. I ripped the hell out of her. And people went nuts. If it had been the internet age, I might not have survived. Was that the uh, Jill Trenner year too? She was a big, a big hope, and was you know, that her year? Had lived here, she, you know, and she had lived here until she was like four, so she was one of us. You well, know, was we big... had uh, they had Elizabeth Manley and her and uh, Elizabeth Manley from Canada and her, and, and she Katarina, of course was the local favorite because it was in Calgary. Yeah, right? she was, yeah. yeah, and but Debbie was, uh, you know, the gonna win it, and then she's stumbled all over the place and i'd let her have it and oh boy people then they don't like you when you rip their figure skaters i'll tell you that all right we'll be back sitting shotgun on the ride with Royce. i'm not that good a driver <laughs> i'm old on 1500 espn getting you caught up on the week in pucks it's the Hockey Half Hour with Jess Myers. A combination that requires the highest level of conditioning, speed, creativity. And the ride with Royce. The news today is that Jonas Brodeen uh, broke his hand last night. And how do you do it? Take a shot? Yeah, what? I took a shot. Okay. Yeah, and, and, you know, there's just so much. Your hands are a vulnerable spot. They blocked too many shots. Back in the old days, those boys didn't jump down there and block shots. I've said, if well, a guy wanted to shoot at the goal, they let him. Craig, <laughs> Craig Ludwig used to, but Craig Ludwig wore shin pads that were basically the size yeah. of goalie pads. He had just massive. But I've said this before. Playing defense in the National Hockey League is maybe the worst thing you can do to a human body. I mean, when you look at some of these guys who have played a long time, or even guys who haven't played that long, you know, after a couple years, what it does to your arms and your face and your legs is just unreal. I was, uh, Zach was out at Radio Row pumping the benefits of chocolate milk for the milk producers. Get you, you want to go play a great hockey game? Have a big glass of chocolate milk for the youth of America. Before or after the game, or both? Uh... I've heard about. I, I it. think it's earlier in the day. I've heard about it after the game because it helps to recover. It is after the game, yeah. but uh, I asked him, even from when he came in the league, the mess you are now trying to shoot through in the NHL is yeah. unbelievable. There's never. There's, there's, block, everybody's going down blocking shots. You never. You know how many times you get to unless it's a breakaway, you never get to 
You never get a puck goes straight in. It's always, you know, going through five bodies. Now, the other side of that, though, I mean, you're right. You never see a clear lane to the net or, you know, and, and coaches always talk defense and get sticks in lanes and get bodies in the way. The flip side of that, though, is if you're the goalie, you never get a clear look at the puck either. There's always five yeah, guys well, in front of you true. when the puck's coming your that's way. True. So, you know, you saw that goal that Miko Koivu had last night. You know, just a simple backhand, but there's five guys crossing mm-hmm. all at the same time. It gets through the goalie never sees it. I mean, it is know. funny to go back and look at tape from the when the North Stars first came here, though. And Cesar Boniago's a good-sized guy, and, of course, Gump was short. But the amount of net... <laughs> that they're shooting at. It's the same size net, but it's a completely different view. It's like you don't your biggest choice is which open area do I want to shoot from instead of what keyhole do I want to try right, to put this right. puck through. It's it's impossible. It's, I will I will say this too, you know, and, and goalies now drop to their knees on every shot. I mean it's just mm-hmm. reflex because they all do this butterfly thing. When I was in third grade, I was playing goalie in Warroad. You know, in an yeah. in-house league team, and I realized nobody could raise the puck at that age. Mm-hmm. So I would drop to my knees and play. You know, I would not never stand up, and I got coaches yelling at me saying, "You got to stand up. You look like an idiot." Well, I stopped a lot of pucks <laughs> by being on my knees. Now I realize I was ahead of you my were time. Ahead of your time. I was a trendsetter. I had it all figured out. This game, you know, now guys are making a lot of money doing mm-hmm. that. So, I well, mean, my that, uh, my uh, granddaughter's making great strides because two years ago I was one at her hockey practices. And she was complaining that this guy in front of the net kept stopping all her shots. And the other day, allegedly, she had a shutout in a game. So nice. she played goal. So, so maybe she, she she's figured, figured it out, out a little bit. So, so you're, a, you're a hockey grandfather, huh? That's, oh, yeah. That's yeah, good stuff. I, uh, I went over to the Mariucci to see them play between periods. And uh, basically, there were 22 girls out there, and they threw two pucks out in the middle of the ice and said, chase it. Yep. But they got the parents to all buy tickets. Absolutely, so, okay. and you all know right. that you could you could stand to have some people buy some. Hey, by the tickets. way, our girls' team is not the power. What happened over there? They're not. Know. They got a couple of Olympians, but they're not the powerhouse. Wisconsin the dynasty. Is, yeah. Wisconsin is still the dynasty in yeah. that league. You know, well, uh, lately, lately, you know, you know it, we were the dynasty for a for eight a long years, time. Yeah. You know, Maybe, you know, and Brad Frost got them to the Frozen Four last year, which was a bit of a surprise because they weren't a great team last year. But he kind of coked a Frozen Four appearance out of them and. Uh, and, you know, that just hasn't happened this year. You know, I think there's been... You know, Olympic years are always tough, too, because, you know, you're you're, you're a pure, pure college team uh, in Olympic years, so the talent's always down. And, you know, that's... I, maybe we're heading back to that. I heard a rumor that when number one North Dakota came to town, the crowds still were pretty modest at Mariucci. Yeah. What's... Uh, well, that I, was, uh, I thought for sure. Maybe it, you, it happened at a bad time. This probably. season, you're thinking Notre Dame. This number, season. Number yeah, one Notre number Dame. one Notre Dame. I thought yep. I said Notre Dame. Okay. Yep. Number um, one Notre Dame came to town. This is what I don't get. You know, uh, two, two, three years ago, we could say, you know, yeah, but the Big Ten's lousy. You know, it's a, people aren't used to the new conference and the Big Ten, the hockey's lousy. The Big Ten's really good this year. I mean, <laughs> Notre Dame's Notre been the number one team number, in the country. Yeah. Ohio State's a fantastic team. You know, the Gophers are pretty good. Penn State's okay. Yeah, Penn State's okay. Wisconsin Michi- is right on the brink. Yeah. You know, Michigan, the, Michigan the State. The only are dog still- is Michigan. Real dog is Michigan State. Right? Yep, yeah, that's the only real dog. So the hockey's really good this year. That part I don't get. Now here's what are the they shot mad at. They'd rather play Bemidji. I don't get it. No, I don't think they want to play Bemidji. They want to play North Dakota and they want to play UMD and mm-hmm. you know those those teams that they're used to. Here's the shocking thing. How about this piece of math that I looked up? You know, the Gophers have won the conference title six years in a row. Yes. Two years in the WCHA and, and four years in the Big Ten. 
it's over. They're eliminated. Oh, really? They cannot win the Big Ten title. <laughs> Notre Dame's already no, won. Notre it, Dame huh? has like a 97% chance of winning the title, and the Gophers are mathematically eliminated. So the streak comes to an end now. Wow. I, I'm shocked. You know, I knew I knew this, we're getting late in the season here. Where but, are they pairwise? On the bubble? Or oh, still no, okay? no, pairwise are in great shape. They're still like ninth or something shape? like really? that. Yeah, Why? They're, they're in really good shape just because of this goofy strength of schedule stuff. You know, oh. I was talking to Grant Patolny yesterday. He's in his first year at Northern Michigan. He's doing very well. They're on the bubble of making the NCAA tournament. And he admitted the tough part is you're playing in a conference in the WCHA where there are some really lousy teams. You know, Alabama, you, so Huntsville. if you beat Huntsville twice, it doesn't do you any good. It doesn't good. do you any it good. Hurts and, you and if you schedule. lose to one of those teams, yeah. it really, really hurts you. Whereas, you know, UMD last weekend goes out to Denver. They play two good games with them. They lose both of them. And they don't even move in the pairwise. It doesn't hurt them at all because you're playing one of the top teams in the country. So that's... Kind of the goofy way the computer rankings work. Uh, Minnesota State, by the way, 86% chance of winning the WCHA currently. So oh, really? Nor- Northern Michigan is Let's go Mavs! Go Mavs! I, 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 you know, Chris is wearing the Let's colors. Let's let them in the big league. Let's let them in the NCHA. I can see that happening. Or let them in the Big Ten. As the eighth team, <laughs> you know what we do, Patrick. We don't we don't shy away from the competition. No, that's I, right. I've let said it before. The, yeah, Illinois the... is going to be the next Big Ten team. You mark my word. That's going to happen. Uh, I, it's going to be five I, years. I would say within three years. And uh, NCHC update: fifty fifty right now between Denver and St. Cloud State. They're they're either one. It could go either way. Those are the two top teams. I had a great interview with Bob Motzko last night. I asked him about all the, you know, he was an assistant coach for many years under guys like Sarah Torrey and Guazdecki and Mark Mazzolini and Lucia and all these guys. I said, what did you learn from any, all of them? His great line was, I don't know that I learned much, but I'm an incredible thief. He said, I, <laughs> I stole everything I could from those guys. <laughs> okay. All right. We'll be back. See what's on the Great Outdoors show tonight. The Great Outdoors Show is uh, coming up uh, shortly. I would imagine we'll find out about the cheating at the fishing contest. Potential, potential, uh, potential shenanigans. I like to call them at the Brainerd Fishing Contest. And God knows you've never had a fisherman tell a lie before. No, uh, they got a couple of fellas from Ohio, right? Who just kind of do this for just kind of showed up giggles to go to Brainerd. We love to go to Brainerd and fish. I think it's honorable. Like Richard won. How many? Contest with the same fish over and over again. Yeah, well, he caught the fish in the Lake of the Woods and entered it in several places. That was in the summer, and all he was winning was fishing rods. He wasn't winning a truck. Right, that's true. They might have looked at the eyes of that fish a little more closely if they were giving away a truck back then. So how I, come they look like marbles? Yeah. <laughs> he got finally got caught when he tried to fall it. Pull it out of Prior Lake hole when it was frozen. <laughs> been in the freezer for like six months. <laughs> wow. He did that as a joke, though. He, Leg- he, legendary fish story. So we're yes. going to talk about that a little bit, and then there's a uh, new report about walleyes on the lax that is very controversial. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, well, I can guarantee you that if the culprit here in Brainerd was Richard Ricey... <laughs> All of his friends would have stood up and said, yes, he did it. <laughs> no, there would not have been a lot of no, loyalty among that crew. No, no, they would have just, uh, you know, the uh, Ukrainians would have, uh, the if he would have had pals like the Ukrainians, they, they would have ratted him out. Yeah, boy, that wouldn't have gone well. Yeah, this one is, uh, uh, we had a guy call up. One our show the other day, Sports Talk, and explained how he he was at one of these contests, started fishing, and he caught the 
he got he beat a guy to the hole. He didn't know he was chasing him, but the guy there was a guy hauling ass to get to the hole. And he got there first, and he went in there, and he caught the fish that the guy had. Uh, they had planted they or had something? Planted, they had screwed into the ice and had down there oh, on, a, on a string. So That kind of violates the spirit of he the said, thing, that guy it? kind of walked away a little depressed, but he didn't know what was going on, sure, why sure. the guy wanted to get to that hole. But, well, the guys who won have the truck. It's back in Ohio already, but the, the organizer said they've kept the title. They're not turning over the title until mm. uh, they, they find out things are on the up and ups. So All we'll right. talk about that. Dennis Anderson and I coming up at 6 o'clock. All right, beautiful. Just